0: Welcome back to another episode of Bayou Chronicles. We are your
1: hosts. I'm Bethany. And I'm Crystal. I don't know why we're over enunciating. I just want to make sure I'm loud because
0: I felt like on last episode my mic just was, mm, it wasn't doing what it needed to do. So if you hear me do this often, that's just me. I don't know, seeing how my voice, I feel like I'm way too soft spoken and Crystal's always like telling me to speak up. So, well,
1: I just felt like I project my voice. I,
0: I'm Maybe I don't know. I think that's why my mom calls me a hippie. I'm very like oh, mellow.
1: And I'm just like
0: I don't let me project and use my diaphragm. Yes, and I'm also married to a person that is very loud. Yeah. Not meaning to. But we hope you guys are having a wonderful week. Is well, this is Sunday, so you're you're Basically starting your week. It's Mm -hmm. getting going. It's getting going. You're getting ready for that Monday. We all hate it. You know, Garfield style. Um, We've just been, I don't know. We've been all over the place. I feel like me and Crystal, she's got some things going on in her life. She's getting ready to kind of have a career change
1: for the better. For the better. For the better. I started a new job. So this week is the start of my last week.
0: Yes. She's fixing a transition. And we've just been all over the place and trying to get caught up on episodes and life. And we're also getting prepared for Halloween. I was downstairs like five minutes ago. My kiddos put a few Halloween decorations out and they are very excited Mm -hmm. to show her. Because we got our new little, you know, like the little candy bowls that you put like on your table. Mm -hmm. I'm using it for that reason, but I know it's supposed to be for trick-or-treaters.
1: But, but we just eat a lot of candy. Le- yeah, let's see. Be real. Look, let's to be completely honest. If you're not eating candy nonstop Before from Halloween, September yeah. to after Easter, yeah. what is your life? It's like not because, stock up because there that's the only time you eat candy. Because there's Halloween candy, and then at Christmas time they always have candy. I've
0: already bought. Well, Crystal snacking if, on Snickers. Yes, I, I am bought eating.
1: two full bags of Snickers,
0: some Skittles. Those are all gone. Skittles yeah. were first to go. Oh, I'm sure. And probably next time I go to grocery shop, I'll get some peanut butter cups. Oh, God. Tyler um, and
1: I are supposed to have a date night after this. Like, he wants to go eat after this somewhere. I don't know. At, like, 10 o'clock at night, I guess. Um, <laughs> but I am, like, com- trying to think of ways in my head that I can I can convince him to go to Target. Because I put out my Halloween blankets. And yeah. I got all my fall Halloween stuff out. I did the same thing as you i changed my little front door wreath thingy yep. to my little like I, like I had like a did. little i have like a sugar skull wreath that mm-hmm. i put out um i did all of that and i was like i need more halloween blankets i need more halloween candy mm-hmm. i need more halloween everything so if we could have got that that black
0: silky one we saw at home goods that was 50 y'all if y'all have never been to home goods you need to get home goods me and crystal just walked around like after dinner touch stuff that we couldn't afford
1: we couldn't afford it was also famous. we started a game which was guess the price before you turn it over and look at it uh, we need me and crystal need to go on a game show yes because, because we guessed them all oh man like didn't get any wrong so you know
0: but we saw that. this magical I guess it. I guess it's supposed to be. I'm air quoting. You guys can't see me. Halloween themed because it's black, mm-hmm. but it was fifty bucks. It was the most
1: amazingly it felt soft like heaven blanket. I feel like I would never leave. But I yeah. need that for my new job because I get to work from home. You guys, yes.
0: she's already she showed me this really awesome chair that yes. she's going to get for her office. It's a
1: kneeling rocking chair, which apparently is a new thing, but like ADHD people love it, mm-hmm. and it's how I sit in a chair. Not, it's literally look. I always yeah, sit literally with my bent legs up right like, now. Yeah, like I bend, and like mm-hmm. apparently that's really good for how your posture when you're like sitting at a desk all day. So. I bought that and I'm trying to convince myself that I'm never allowed to work in bed because I will be really lazy if I work in bed. <laughs> and so- Can you imagine though? like, I would get nothing done because I am having flashbacks to being in college and I would always tell myself, I'm gonna work in bed And I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to work. And I would immediately fall asleep. That's me. Immediately. That's me
0: in college saying, oh, I'll finish this paper by Friday because it needs to be turned in Saturday before midnight.
1: I'm asleep.
0: I'm asleep. Yeah, I'm asleep and I'm scrounging Saturday So literally what
1: it would happen, yes. Every time, like when I was living in New Orleans, it was me sitting on my couch, just popped, uh, this is this is really bad. So if you're family and you're listening, I am not a drug addict. Um, I would pop a Vivance, an extra <laughs> Vyvanse for ADHD and stay up a full over 24 hours and just write.
0: And mm-hmm. I'm telling you,
1: this wasn't like a three-page paper. This was mm-hmm. write a 12 to 15-page paper about a topic that I barely did research on um, and somehow get an A. Never well, knew how. We are still writing episodes. I, I, that, and that's how we write episodes. Yep. Yeah, I was literally... Hunched over my computer right before I went to pick Crystal up. Dude, I write. I write these things on my iPad and then I move stuff over. Yeah, I was at the dentist's office the other day and I was just typing. Writing out my notes phone. on your phone. Yeah. yeah, I'll
0: be grocery shopping. I'm like, you I look, gotta write
1: this down. Like, That's a great thought. I should say that on the podcast.
0: Anyways, yeah. we we're trying something new here. We normally don't like to be those people that ramble in the beginning of the episodes, but I'll be honest. We're gonna be super honest. Me and Crystal are running out of um, intros. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're just gonna start talking about our lives and our weeks I and mean, maybe you guys yeah. like it if you hate
1: it you hate it
0: if you want the generic intros back it'll probably be back here uh next week because i think i wrote a pretty juicy one yeah. so yeah. yeah
1: normally i uh write the whole podcast and i go back and say hmm what can i write about for this intro and i'm like i have nothing
0: normally she's like bethany just wing it and i'm like hmm we're gonna ramble yeah. so anyways i'm gonna pass this episode over to crystal
1: okay that was it? Oh, yeah. You're just, okay, great. Okay. Slide on in, go. Yeah, slide on in. Go, Tiger. Yay. Okay, so we're just going to go. We're going to start. Um, I'm going to be throwing, do you know anything about this case?
0: I know some about it.
1: Okay. Well, either way, if y'all don't know about it, obviously you've already read the little title card, and so you know that this is about the Jeff Davis 8 or the Jennings 8, however you want to you know refer to it, but I'm going to be throwing a crap ton of info at you. And I mean, I'm gonna be throwing names, probably some locations, dates, it's a lot of info. I'm really going to try to make this one episode it's, like, ten pages that I wrote, so... I'll oh, be honest,
0: she texted me earlier today, and she's like, this might be a two-parter, and I'm like, well, let's see where it goes. I, I, yeah, so
1: we're gonna see. If it's just a really long episode, I'm sorry. You have to listen to it in multiple parts, but enjoy, and I guarantee you, if this is a long episode, you're not gonna want to stop listening, so mm, enjoy. Anyway, so if you're lost, just tell me to well, slow was, down.
0: She was confident. And that, you you were like, oh, they will be coming you, for a you, part. <laughs>
1: you will be coming for a part two if there is one. And if you have two paws, go to work, you will be like, when can I listen again? Because you're going to want to know these juicy details. And I'm sorry. To, I'm going to let you know now. You're not going to get the ending you want. So.
0: I feel just, like that's me watching uh, Only Murders in the Building right now. Yes,
1: you're not getting the ending Like, want.
0: I'm waiting every Monday night. Like, yeah. is
1: it 11 p.m. yet? No. It's a good show, though. It is. Great show. Great Hulu. Show.
0: Shout us out, yeah. please.
1: So, if you're lost, let me know. If you're lost and you listen to this whole thing and you're still lost, please message me. I will talk to you about this case because I am intrigued. So, journalist Ethan Brown is like the expert basically on this, and he has conducted thousands and thousands of hours of research into this case, and it has resulted in a book that he wrote. And him being part of a television documentary on Showtime. Yes, I did get a free trial of Showtime just so I could binge this series. It's four episodes or five (laughs) episodes. I've watched it twice because it was that good. Um, Like back to back. Like I finished it and then rewatched the whole thing because it was that good. Um, The book, if you have a Libby account with your local library, you can rent it. You can borrow the book for free great book there's also a really lengthy article that he wrote for medium.com which is kind of like how this whole thing started he is a journalist from south louisiana um if you finish this and just want a little bit more information i would probably start with the article because um, it's probably maybe a not depend on how fast you read maybe a 15 minute read if that um read that and then i would depend on the type of person you are either read the book or the television documentary. They both go into a whole lot of detail. Obviously, the book is a lot more detail, but it's so good. Let me tell y'all, they're both good. Anyway, without his research, though, I don't think these cases or this case would have ever received the attention that it has. Um, so today, I am going to tell you about the Jeff Davis 8 And they were basically, not basically, nothing basic about this, but they were essentially a group of eight women who were involved in the drug and prostitution areas of south, like the south side of Jennings, Louisiana. Which, if you aren't familiar, not from Louisiana, that is southwest Louisiana. Mm -hmm. So, anyway. And basically, this whole town is, like, centered around... The interstate, I-10, that kind of runs from like Houston to through New Orleans and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that's It's basically sit right on there. So you're going to get a lot of people coming through and everything, but that's why the city there, basically. So I want to start off by kind of giving the detailing of the key people, the key victims of this story. Ethan does this in his book at the very beginning in a much more broader context than I am doing. Um, and it helps a lot when it comes to reading the book, and I wish I would have read all of that before I watched the documentary because it helped me when I watched the documentary too. Um, Considering that Jennings has about 10,000 people total, it shouldn't surprise you that a lot of the people either share names, last names with each other, or know each other. Like, it's a small town. It's 10,000 people.
0: So I'm pretty sure we got more than 10,000 people on this base right now. Yeah.
1: Yeah, probably.
0: I mean, that's probably a dramatic number, but I feel like it's probably. probably. a
1: lot. So, let's start with the ladies. I'm going to go through them. So, you have um, Loretta Sachon. I know I'm a Louisianian. I'm a Louisianian. I'm probably going to butcher these. But it's Sachon. Okay? She was found dead in, a gr- again, I'm probably going to butcher this too because it's the nature of the true crime beast. She was found in Grand Marriott. Mar- Mara, I'm going to go with Mara, butcher me, Ainsley, if you hear me. I asked you how to say this, and you didn't answer me, so (laughs) I tried. Um, She was found in May of 2005, and she was 28 years old. Next was Ernestine Patterson, who was 30 years old, and she was found um, in June of 2005, so just a couple months later, or a month later. Kristen Lopez was found in March of 2007, and she was 21. Whitney Dubois was found in May of 2007, and she was 26. Laconia Muggy, as she'll be referred to, Brown, was found in May of 2008, and she was 23. Crystal Zeno was found in August of 2008, and she was 24. Brittany Gary was killed in November of 2008. Did I say 2004? 2008. May 2008, August 2008, and November 2008. Um, Brittany was 17 years old, though, so she's the youngest. She is. And then last was Nicole Gillery, who was killed in August of 2009, and she was 26
0: they were all in their 20s except
1: for Brittany. Mm-hmm. or ernestine ernestine was 30 oh yeah and then Brittany was 17 so honestly i debated how to tell this story uh and there's a couple of different ways you could tell it you could tell the story you know documenting each individual thing that happened and then going back and touching on stuff or you can kind of go through it chronologically no matter how you do it it's a lot of information and it's very very confusing you really almost have to like let yourself be immersed in the whole situation and small town aspect and just really recognize that every single piece is connected and something that people say over and over about this case is that some people thought that it was a serial killer But everyone keeps coming back to the idea that there's no possible way that it could be a serial killer. I mean, it could, but it's highly unlikely considering that one of the key tenets of a serial killer is that they kill people who are not associated with them and that are not, like, they don't know each other. Like, they try their best to pick victims who are, like, not associated with them or each other just because you don't want to pick too many people because then you draw attention if you killed, you know, a whole sorority house of sisters. Yeah. Yeah? You draw attention. Anyway, so I have decided that I'm just going to tell you the same way I would like to hear it. It's a little confusing, but I really just wanted to tell everyone a little bit about each individual woman that was killed and about the insane crazy ridiculous corruption that exists in jennings because this is beyond just their murders so i'm going to set the stage jennings is a tiny louisiana town with not a lot of people but it has a very very bad drug problem that has basically separated the town in half. Um, Sounds like all of Louisiana. All of Louisiana. Some of the women from the Southside area had eventually turned to selling their bodies for drugs. Prostitution is everywhere. There's never gonna be a town that doesn't have prostitution of some kind. And one of these particular women was 28-year-old Loretta S- Oh my god, I can't say her name. Sashawn. Sashawn. Saw Sean. I'm gonna say it. I'm just gonna remember it for the rest of my life after this. Sashawn. Saw sha sha song sha song like it's s-h-a like like when you're telling like like from like south Louisiana think to be of, like ah oh, sha like yeah sa shawn i can't just think i can't of, say it think of chiffon oh chiffon sa shawn anyway same anyway fresh words. she was a mom she had two boys and she loved him a lot um Unfortunately, she also had a drug problem, and her friends and family insist that her drug problem didn't stop her from being a great mom, and that she would try to make an effort to talk to her kids at least every day. Obviously, sometimes she would go on a bender and she wasn't able to, but they said that she would try to talk to her kids every single day. On May the 20th, 2005, a man spotted her body in the water at Grand Marais mariah Marseille, i don't know canal
0: i don't know on that one <laughs> i'm not even gonna pretend i don't even know
1: hey i looked it up and i looked up how to say it and like i said i texted and said hey guys how do i say this i said is it is it Marie or
0: th- mar i think it's maray i think it's Marie.
1: maray grand maray now
0: You don't pronounce the S in Dubois. Yeah. So, I think it's
1: Grand Marais Canal. Her body was found in blue jeans and a white shirt, which was really creepy because when I actually, like, wrote this, I was wearing blue jeans and a white shirt. Kind of creeped me out a little bit, but, you know, whatever. Why did that make me think of Mean Girls? when you were saying that. I don't know know why. I don't know why either. The only sign of injury on her entire body was a small amount of blood on her scalp. Like, that's it. Her cause of death was unknown, and no one knew if this was an accidental overdose or if she was just murdered. At this point, her friends and family had no idea she was even missing. They had just thought that she had gone on, like, some sort of, like, bender and just kind of lost track of the days. It wasn't until Deputy Sheriff Terry Guillory visited a friend of Loretta's asking if that friend had seen her. And that was when friends and family realized something was wrong.
0: Okay, you're probably going to say it, but is is this sheriff related to the victim? Because they got the same last name. Did you pick up on... Okay. <laughs> okay, never mind. I you always
1: spoil stuff. I'm now. not I'm trying kidding. to spoil. It. No, just you'll see. Okay. Yes and no. Okay. How about I say that? Keep you in the
0: keep and you. Part time detective. I saw that, yeah. and I was like, that's mm-hmm. the same.
1: Yeah. Yes and no. Following the death of Loretta, police and the public started asking questions about who was responsible and why this happened. One of the most popular suspects is a man named Frankie Richard. According to his own words, he would pimp out the girls, but he insisted that he was their friend and that they shared a bond and that and I think he goes as far as saying he was there for them at their lowest and they were there for him at his lowest. So he's a good pimp. Basically. he—I asked well, That's the vibe that I got he was trying to give off, is that he actually cared about them. But from the beginning, Sheriff Ricky Edwards led the case and focused solely on Frankie. Frankie Richard was a former oil worker who had turned into Jennings' most well-known drug dealer and prostitution runner. Really and truly, he was the guy that everybody was afraid of, had a bunch of people, a bunch of men working underneath him. He was just there to, I guess, mess stuff up and run, run Jennings, for lack of a better word. The investigation into Loretta's death wouldn't be the last time the police would suspect him. And over the course of the investigation, they would learn that Loretta was last seen getting into a car with Frankie by her brother. They determined that she had done cocaine by doing a drug thing. A drug. Panel, I guess. Basically, they determined that she had done cocaine before. A toxicology, a toxicology report. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And they determined that she had done cocaine <laughs> the like I right was before she to died.
0: Figure out what
1: you were. I was couldn't think of the word. I
0: got what you were putting down. Yeah. yeah I was just watching you trying to describe it. A drug
1: panel. I didn't know what you'd call it. She's doing all kinds of hand gestures <laughs> over here. I wish y'all could see it. Anyway, they determined that she had done cocaine before she died with a dealer and Muggy Brown and Nicole Guillory. So, the three of them and another guy had all done cocaine before she died.
0: Okay. How do they not think all this is... Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. Okay. So... Later on, during the, I'll, I don't have this in my notes, but I'll tell you this is a little bit little side note. Later on in the investigation, there is a theory that some that some witnesses came forward and said that what happened was Nicole, not Nicole Loretta, ended up having a seizure around a bunch of people later that night, and everyone panicked and they just threw her body in the canal. But no one ever could prove that that's just what people said happened
0: i am not condoning doing drugs like this Mm -hmm. but if you are going to partake in drugs like this do it around people that have a little bit of common sense i agree and know that if you're having a seizure not to throw your body into a water
1: side note i had a dream last night that i went to the store and just casually bought mushrooms (laughs) And was going to do them, and I mean, they were just like they were just, they were just like in a little bag, and you could just like put them on the counter like at a gas station. I don't know why I had that dream. What
0: a work, maybe it was a you're crazy dream. the future, I don't know. It
1: was the craziest dream, but I was like,
0: oh, imagine going into like Seven Eleven and just like bag buying, of mushrooms,
1: buying this cute little bag of mushrooms. mushrooms. Yeah, it was, it was weird. It was yeah, anyway. Two years after they found Loretta, the body of another woman was found in the water. According to police, this was 30-year-old Ernestine Patterson. Her family said that Ernestine was just the result of a few poor poor choices. She was a faithful churchgoer until... She divorced her husband and moved in with her boyfriend and then just started making some really crappy decisions about trying drugs and what drugs led to hustling and just one, one thing led to another and she just kinda went from this faithful church going woman to fully into this life of prostitution and drugs. She was also a very tiny woman. She was barely five four and weighed roughly 82 pounds Unlike Loretta, who was found without a scratch on her, Ernestine was found with a massive incision on her neck. Also, unlike Loretta, police had a lead on her death from the get-go. In Ethan Brown's book, he uncovered that the last night that Ernestine was seen, she had had sex with a man named Byron Jones. Apparently, it was planned with that him and his friend, Lawrence Nixon, were both going to have sex with her. At some point, Lawrence and Byron came back to Lawrence's home where his wife was. Lawrence's wife was <coughs> cooking. She <coughs> says that she remembers this night because she was cooking fried chicken and French fries. So she was making. And she said that she was cooking when Lawrence and Byron came back to the house. And she details that both men came back to the house with a large trash bag that was dripping with blood and set it on her porch and Lawrence admitted that they had cut Ernestine's throat. You should see Bethany's face, guys.
0: Okay. Well, first off, this dude's got a whole wife, and yes.
1: he's planning a yes. threesome. Yes. And
0: then you come home. Yes. I just, we, we,
1: I was gonna casually gross over that, but the entire time I'm reading this is just like, did his wife not care? Like, she uh, and her
0: thing is. Oh yeah, I remember because I, I, I remember I was making chicken fried chicken for and 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 What?
1: I I don't know. Anyway, according to Ethan Brown, this was somewhat confirmed because his wife's daughter told investigators that she saw Lawrence come home covered in blood and that he had been given massive trash bags by a man who actually ended up being Ernestine's uncle. (laughs) This was pure coincidence, though. The uncle just so happened to be Lawrence's neighbor. Sources claim that Muggy Brown witnessed this murder but did not say anything to the police about it. She was known to hang out with these men and admitted to knowing that Ernestine was killed with a hunting knife, which lined up with the knife that Lawrence, Lawrence's wife claimed was at her home after the murder. No charges were laid, nor was Lawrence's home even investigated until well over a year and a half after the murder. And of course, at this time, there was nothing there. bethany's faces again
0: how 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 do you not investigate this for a year
1: because
0: you'll see this
1: is you'll see two years later in may of 2007 21 year old kristen lopez would be found in Petit canal i can say that one yeah With severe injuries that were caused by animals attacking her body post-death. Like it said, it looked like an alligator had like just like taken a bite of like her head and her neck area. Um, Kristen, like many of the other girls, was alienated from her family and had a rough childhood. She was sexually assaulted when she was a teenager and would spend most of her time in the south side of Jennings. Kristen was a regular at a pay-by-the-hour hotel called the Boudreaux. Remember this place? The Boudreaux was known as a hot spot for both prostitution and drugs. She was also very friendly with Frankie Richard, a man that she often called Uncle Frankie due to the fact that she grew up around him and his family. On her last day, she was just like, well, they witnessed her doing it, and he admitted. But the last day she was begging Frankie for permission to stay at his room at the Boudreaux because she didn't have a place to stay. She was just finding places to sleep every night. And she wanted to stay there, but he refused because he suspected her and her friend Tracy, who is also the cousin of Loretta, of stealing from him. So she gave up and ended up going to another house on Frank Street that was known to be a place, another place that people do to like go to do drugs. And the last person known to have seen her was Tracy when she left that house on Frank Street. And no one knows what happened to her after that. Angels. Okay. Yeah. Whitney Dubois was found in the middle of the road by a man who said he had spotted her as he was driving. She was found nude with a few bruises, but like Loretta, she had no major injuries. There were also no leads around her time, like around this time around her death, and there wouldn't really be any kind of information about her death until well after the seventh murder. And at that point, that's when the witness told investigators that they were riding in the car with a man who discovered the body, whose name was Jamie Trahan. They claimed that Jamie swerved out of the road to miss something, and as they swerved, they saw the body. And Jamie tried to convince them that it wasn't a body and dropped them off at the hotel. So the way they described it, it was like he knew it was in the road before he even saw it. So why drive by there? Uh, Also, great, great question. Great question. Um, Whitney was involved in the same lifestyle as the other girls. She was taken from her mom at a young age and raised by an honestly great family in my opinion who adopted her. But before they were able to adopt abduct, 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 oh my gosh abduct <laughs> adopt her. <laughs> she was sexually assaulted and beaten by several men who Jeez. were her mother, her biological mother's, boyfriends and husbands. This large family that she was adopted into was a stable home, but her past trauma was something that she was never really able to fully escape. Um, and I feel bad for her, you know. Like that's tough. That's, that's tough. You're like, young, it, and yeah.
0: It's supposed to be your mom, and
1: it, it it's hard. A year later, hold on, I dropped. I lost my spot. I lost my spot. I lost my spot. Okay. By now, it shouldn't surprise you that Frankie knew Whitney as well. Well, yeah, it I... was. It was then during this time after her death, that police started to really focus in on him. Police felt that they had enough to charge Frankie and his niece Hannah with the murder of Kristen. Tracy had claimed that Frankie beat Hannah and Kristen, and and held her, and Hannah held her under the water until she drowned. Jeez. Frankie claims that it happened a total other way. That someone who he completely refuses to name beat her and killed her and that Tracy and another sex worker set Kristen up to be killed. In the end, the DA decided not to pros- like to prosecute the case and the charges were completely dropped on Frankie and his niece Hannah. Okay? So
0: basically, if you kill somebody that's a drug addict or prostitute, you can get away with it because nobody's gonna care.
1: Yes, basically, basically disgusting. Disgusting. A year later, the next of the Jeff Davis Eight would be found: Muggy Brown. If you remember, Muggy claimed to have witnessed the death of Ernestine in two thousand five. And you could almost claim that Muggy was the start of when people started to realize that something was going on and there may be a conspiracy behind it all because at this point also she was doing cocaine with Loretta the night before she died. Yeah So she's obviously not necessarily involved, but she's not she's innocent. not innocent. she's she knows something she knows what's going on. She's around these people. It would all soon be revealed that Muggy had also saw Loretta's body in the canal a few days before it was found, but again, did not say anything to anyone about it. Muggy was also involved in the worlds of these girls. And so she kind of knew that it wouldn't be long before something would happen to her. Which is terrifying. Which is, yeah, which is terrifying. But, like, she knew that... She'd seen enough that something was probably going to happen to her.
0: She probably felt like nobody would believe her or Mm -hmm. defend her, take her side. She's just a druggie. She's a prostitute. Now,
1: I didn't put this in the notes again because there's a lot of information, but I do feel like this could add on to another part. But there was another rape that was associated with this case. And this rape happened basically because what happened was Muggy took not muggy another sex worker lured this girl to lawrence and his wife's house okay and muggy took her took the lady the girl in there and they were all going to come down with they were going to smoke some pot and come down off this other high that they were on and while they were in there all the girls left and left this one girl get raped by this other man And the reason they did it was so that that was their payment for some cracks that they wanted. Mm. As this girl was raped, she got her stuff together. Everyone saw that she got raped and knew it. She ran outside, and there were cops already outside talking to Lawrence about another issue. The girl said, hey, I've been raped. Everyone here is part of it, and this, you know they're the reason I got raped and this happened and they were all arrested for conspiracy to commit forced rape or something some weird charge. Um, but basically the girl got intimidated and a few months later completely dropped all the charges against everybody. So they all kinda got away with that again. so, it's just one thing after another. I, I don't know.
0: I, I try not to judge people that have drug addictions. I know it can be hard. I mean, she... I mean, I'm very much addicted to sugar. So... Yeah? I mean, me and Crystal just snacked on... She had some Snicker bars and I had some Oreo cookies before <sighs> we came into the studio to record. But I... I can't justify somebody being so addicted to drugs that they let another woman get raped.
1: Yes. No, that's not okay. For drugs. Absolutely not okay. But anyway, I think Muggy knew that her time was coming. And after her boyfriend pinned a robbery on her, she was essentially on the run. Because he robbed somebody. He He said his girl did it. And this guy was out for blood. During a family barbecue, she made sure that her son knew that she loved him, and she booked a train ticket out of town. She did end up calling her grandmother on the last day that anyone heard from her, which was May 27th, and called her and asked her to not tell her boyfriend, Stymie, that she called and that she was just going out of town. That's creepy. That's my birthday. March. Oh, it is your birthday. Yeah. That is weird. Sorry. <laughs> he Muggy would be found on a road, fully clothed, but with massive injuries. She had cuts all over her head and neck, and it was during her autopsy that Muggy's loved ones and other Jeff Davis 8 victims started to consider that these murders might have been committed by a member of law enforcement. Just based off of like some of the stuff that had that, like had happened to him, the way it was happened, the way she was dumped. They all
0: knew each other. They all the knew each other. Area. Yeah.
1: So if that's what the case was, then who was it? Who was committing these? So next is Crystal Zeno, who, like the other girls, struggled with a drug addiction and mental health issues. She was really close to 17-year-old Brittany Gary, who was also involved in the same lifestyle. The two women actually lived together and sometimes would, would like trick together. Like they wouldn't sleep with each other, but they'd be like in the same area. Um, at one point, someone did ask them to sleep together and they're like, no, we don't do that, but we'll sleep with you, but not with each other. On August 29th, 2018, she was seen outside of a gas station where she would make a phone call to Terry Gillery. Do you remember him?
0: Yeah, he's the okay. sheriff.
1: Yeah, the, not the sheriff, but he's a sheriff's deputy. Deputy, yeah. Uh, um, the man, he's the man who mentioned to Loretta's friend that she was missing. Associates of Frankie were then seen picking up Crystal, and a witness saw a group of African American men leaving the spot. Um, were leaving leaving the spot where they picked her up um, and getting into a white truck. The same type of truck that was seen picking Crystal up. So they see they see that truck and then they see it later on where she was dumped. It's basically what I'm saying. Very poorly, but that's what I'm saying. Okay. Okay. Um, she wouldn't be found for nearly two weeks when some hunters would find her out in the middle of the woods in that same spot. So basically, there was somebody that was i believe in a hotel and they just kind of happened to see this truck and these this big group of men come out of the woods and get into this truck and then like didn't think nothing of it and then a couple weeks later they heard it and then like oh yeah i saw that kind of thing anyway deputy terry went to inform crystal's family that she had been found, and according to her mother, told them that Crystal was dead, but that he, quote, didn't kill her. This was strange because... Wait, the
0: deputy said he didn't
1: kill her? Yes. Oh, my God, dude. This was strange because her body wouldn't be officially identified for nearly two months. When her mother asked him how he knew it was her, he stated that there was a tattoo near her pubic area. Something that he would have only seen if he had been intimate with her. That's how he knew it was her because everything else about her was so messed how up. But he not, saw that tattoo and how he knew. Is
0: this is not a no brainer. <laughs> this deputy, first off, what deputy comes to your house and says, Oh, your loved one's dead? By the way, I didn't kill them. <laughs> oh, and she has a tattoo above her hoo ha. And
1: that's why I know it's her. Yeah. <laughs> It was discovered that Terry was not only close to Crystal, but also Loretta. Terry was the parish warden of the jail and basically had access to all of them. All of the girls had arrest records for drugs and theft charges, and these arrests meant nights in jail. A cellmate stated that she had caught Loretta and Terry having sex one night when she was unable to sleep. Loretta admitted to having sex with a married Terry at the time, um, and said that it just kind of happened all the time. I
0: they mean, so Lawrence's wife, you know, yeah, they and don't, they don't just care, made I guess. Fried chicken and
1: yeah. fries. Um, Terry coming to tell Crystal's mom that she was dead made Loretta's friend feel even weirder about the car conversation with him. Because he also showed up at her door and said, hey, Chris. Her, hey, Loretta's missing, have you seen her? No one else knew she was missing, so why was, like, none of her friends and family knew she was missing, so how did he know she was missing? Why was he looking for her to even know if she was missing?
0: Mrs.
1: A yeah. for me. Next, Brittany was only 17. She was not fully immersed in the lifestyle. She still had a lot of her like little teenage ways like she liked to paint her nails and do little girly stuff and you know she was just kind of in a bad situation. but she was around people who were really deep in this. This really led to her experimenting dr- with drugs and after the death of Crystal it only got worse and that's when she started to expand her role in sex work. Even though she was young, she was aware of the danger that she was in and she openly told her sister that she was afraid of the police. It wasn't long, long that she would go missing and that her body would be found on November 15, 2008, in the tall, tall grass by the side of the road. She was laying in the fetal position and had been there for several weeks. She had no injuries, leading the investigators to believe that she had been suffocated. So she
0: wasn't afraid of sleeping with strange men. She was afraid of the police. The police. Yes. Okay, another red flag.
1: Brittany also shared a major link with one of the other previous victims. She was cousins with Kristen, oh Kristen Lopez. Oh, my According to Ethan Brown, she was also mentored by Muggy on the Streets and was around Frankie, obviously. She tricked with Crystal, and her mother listed Frankie's niece, Hannah, who was arrested for Kristen's murder, number on her missing persons poster with hers. So it was like her number and Hannah's. This only further shows how well involved all of the women were in the city and how just they knew each other. Everybody knew each other. So hold on, the story is literally only going to get wilder. On the night that she went missing, she visited a family dollar to p- buy minutes to put on her phone. Yeah. And she ended up getting a ride with Deputy Danny Barry.
0: Another deputy. Who picked her up
1: and took her back to his trailer.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Several sex workers mentioned that Danny was a popular client who would pick up girls with his wife. Oh. Basically, his <laughs> wife would, like, they'd pick them up. He'd bring them back. His wife would get them liquored up. And then he would go have his way with them according to these women he had a room in his trailer that was covered from like ceiling to floor with plastic sheeting and had chains hanging from the ceiling because he was into like really rough i wouldn't even give it the part i wouldn't even not i don't know what the word i'm trying to look for but i wouldn't even call it bdsm because there was nothing consensual about this almost like i mean it i guess it was because they were trying to make money and they were just doing it because he would pay them it was more of like they were being beaten not there was nothing pleasurable about this for these women um ethan brown writes that law enforcement sources stated that britney partied with danny and even smoked crack with him Wait, with
0: the police with the
1: police officer. (laughs) Hell yeah, brother. (laughs) The same source says that Danny strangled her and dumped her body on November fourth. Other witnesses claim that Danny did not act alone and that Frankie helped him and they helped him kill her and dump Brittany. Frankie still denies anything to do with hurting these girls. He is and has been pretty open to talking about his relationship with the women and has well, like doesn't really turn down interviews and there's very few things he won't talk about. He was, however, quick to point out that Danny should be the main suspect, stating the fact that they were all found so close to his house. And I think they said that all the women were found within three mile like a three mile radius is of the house that
0: not suspicious though i don't know
1: it's a great question um danny can't defend himself though because he died in 2010 as he should even though there are some things that point to him being responsible for some of these deaths does that really mean we should stop investigating because to me it doesn't <laughs> If he was the killer, though, wouldn't people feel safer to tell their story? Like, wouldn't they be like, okay, he's dead. I can tell my story now. I can admit that he did it.
0: Not if he wasn't the only one involved.
1: Exactly. So, next, Nicole Guillory. She is indeed related to our deputy, Terry. They are cousins, but according to Nicole, Terry wanted more. Oh, Yes, this is going where you think it's going.
0: (laughs) I don't mean to laugh. It's a a nervous... It's a... I'm like itching over here.
1: (laughs) Nicole told her family that Terry had made the remark that they weren't the closest of cousins and that it was mostly by marriage that they were related. Um, That's not how that works. That's not how that works. um, And that he had wanted a sexual relationship with her. (laughs) most famously nicole had some sort of like i say it's just like this feeling she just not knowledge and that she knew that she was not going to be here very long when her mom purchased a cake mix and icing for her uh was going to she told her mom not to worry about it because she knew that she wasn't going to be here to celebrate her birthday Her family begged her for a name or anything that she could tell them about who was after her, but she refused for fear of her family getting hurt. Like, she wanted to protect them. Like, she knew something was going to happen to her any day now, but she wanted to protect her family. That's so sad. When she went missing, it was discovered that Ernestine's father, Jeff, had actually picked her up and drove her around town for about 20 minutes before he dropped her off. He claimed that he never saw her again after that, um, and when she was discovered, she had no major injuries and just a few cuts on her body. I mean,
0: this is the smallest town. Mm-hmm. I told you, everybody, everybody knows, knows each other. and drives
1: with and drops mm-hmm. off and talks to. So, now that there has been eight women killed in this small area, they are looking for an answer. The FBI is brought in and there's a joint task force that seems to be doing nothing. And this task force was actually formed before some of the victims even happened. Like actually Nicole Guillory died after the task force was created. Um, so it so was they, they knew the FBI was there and still yes. killed Oh right. It was discovered that each of these women had actually also been informants for the sheriff's office at one point or another and that was one of the reasons why none of them ever seemed to have charges that stuck. Like they had all these arrests, but they would always somehow find a way to get out of them. And this is why They would get caught in exchange for freedom. They would give information about other events that happened in Jennings. Mm, That was
0: not all the exchange.
1: Yeah, so think about, like, for example, how Muggy can say that she saw one thing. She can get arrested say, I saw this, and that gets her out. In an effort Mm -hmm. to show the mistrust this city has uh, of the police, there is a story about a man named Stephen Gunter. Stephen had a drug problem and an anger problem and he actually lived near the Boudreaux. He was also Crystal's cousin <laughs> and was friends with several police officers. Stephen and his girlfriend had gotten in a huge fight and the police were caught. They were trying to talk down the situation but it just wasn't happening. He was screaming at them to leave, get off his property, telling him he's not coming out of his house, whatever. Suddenly... A sheriff's detective and Terry Guillory, who, remember, is a jail warden, a warden,
0: show up to the scene. Why?
1: Terry took a shotgun and Uh. entered the house through the back. He announced himself and was like, hey, you know, Stephen, it's Terry. I'm coming in. A shotgun? What
0: happened to a pistol? And
1: found Stephen sitting on the couch. He claims that Stephen shot at him and Terry fired several rounds back. It took... It eventually was ruled a justified killing. I'm sorry. Six shots with a shotgun at one person is justified? It was ruled a justified killing. And, yeah, so here we are. A jail warden taking over a hostage situation when he has no experience with hostage negotiations. And it ended with someone being dead. I don't understand. Terry claimed that Stephen's hands were on the gun when he shot. Yet, the gunshot, Stephen had gunshots to the palm of his hands.
0: He was on his hands up. Yeah. Over his face. Yeah.
1: According to the coroner, Stephen had no gunshot residue on either of his hands. Something that would be later claimed as false as another coroner said that there was no way to determine because they never tested his hands, even though the first coroner said, I tested his hands, and there was no gunshot residue on his hands. What is this town? So Jefferson Davis has uh, one of the worst homicide rates, like closing rates, in the entire country. The national closing rate is 64%. So that means if there's a murder, they are able to... Close 64% of them, which I think is super low and absolutely ridiculous in my opinion, but it is what it is, I guess. Jeff Davis Paris, or Jefferson Davis Paris has a rate of less than 7%. That can't be real. So, less than 7% of the homicides in their parish that can't ever be get solved. That, can't,
0: that, can't
1: that is be that is the statistic. That, that is the statistic.
0: What?
1: Yes. Yes. I know you don't believe me, but that is 100% the oh, truth. Oh my God.
0: I tell you a minute.
1: So there have been several articles and several TV shows about this area of Louisiana, but nothing ever really seems to change. There does seem to be some very big conspiracy with their sheriff, um, Edwards, um, but he's always quick to never talk about it, deflect. Well, Blame, yeah. say that there's nothing he could do, say that he can't <laughs> solve the homicide of the girls because they don't have any information, blah, 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 So, two of the most popular scandals that have also come out about this area that are connected, I guess I say they're connected, um, is the primetime investigation surrounding the police and another one around a senator named Charles Bustaini. So, during the course of the investigation, it was revealed that several members of law enforcement were accessing evidence lockers and taking drugs and money. Like, high up people were taking drugs and money from lockers. Um, They were also mishandling evidence. In one case, it actually um, got Terry Guillory. His wife was fired for mishandling evidence. She was a sheriff officer, too. Of
0: course. I feel like this whole yeah. town is it's, it's, the Yeah, department. they're either,
1: either rich, a sheriff's officer, but, or a yeah. prostitute. Jesus. Uh, or a drug dealer. Jesus. So, she was fired. Um, a law in the parish allowed police to stop people with absolutely no cause and take whatever they wanted from their car. I'm
0: just... How was his wife fired, but all these other people are selling drugs? Uh,
1: I don't know. So, this started to get complaints from travelers of I-10 because basically they were being looted. So, you would get pulled over. They'd go through your car and be like, oh, you got drugs. I'm just going to let you go, but I'm going to take all your drugs. Or, oh, I'm going to take all of your money that you have in your wallet. Or, I'm going to take this computer that's in the back of your car.
0: I'm sorry. You got me all the way messed up. <sighs> it- no, yeah. I don't even, I'm not even going to stop for an unmarked car, so. No.
1: So, when Dateline News came to town to interview, because they had started getting reports of this, they had hooked up their entire car with, like, audio and visual stuff, but they obviously didn't tell. They were really and truly just drug driving into town so that they could interview the governor, not the governor, the sheriff. Well, literally on their way into town, they get pulled over by the cop's for absolutely no reason. And what was so funny is in the documentary, they mention that the speed limit is 65. And they purposely put a blocker on their car that would not allow them to go above 65 to see if they'd get pulled over. And guess what they got pulled over for? Speedy. Yeah. So... Okay. Um, they interviewed the uh, sheriff. He denied everything, said that everything does. they do is justified, and blah, 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 oh. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Nothing ever changed. Never did change. But I I guess you could say it got better. I don't – it doesn't seem like it did. How
0: so, – How How are more people not talking about this? I don't know. How am I really not? I mean, I know of this. Like, you just,
1: I I feel like for me, I just knew of the Jeff Davis 8. Like, I knew there was 8 ladies who died.
0: I saw, I'm pretty sure I saw something on, like, A&E. Yeah. A documentary or something. But, like, why is this not, like, I don't know.
1: Yeah. So, the next one is about the Senator Charles Bustaini. So, it was revealed that Charles Husseini had a man on his payroll known as Big G, basically. (laughs) And Big G ran the Boudreaux Inn.
0: Oh, man.
1: And Big G had everything to do with renting this stuff out to people by the hour was all involved and knew that drug stuff was happening there was no way that anyone didn't know that drug stuff was happening
0: you have you seen that movie with the rock walking tall
1: no i haven't is this still the same thing
0: holy moly like i feel like i wonder if they based that movie off of this town
1: i don't know i know that this case in this town had a lot to do with the hbo series true detective the first season. What really? I
0: watched yeah, It's that. great. Yeah. Anyways, Walking Tall has Rockin' and basically discovers that his small town is just like a big hub for drugs. Mm-hmm. And the cops are in on it and everything, and the businesses go along with it because it's bringing them in. Money. Yeah.
1: I mean, it probably probably had a, something they, to do with it. They
0: basically it. use all the women in the town to. Yeah.
1: Do all this. I mean, it sounds like the plot. Maybe yeah. it did. Maybe it did. Well, anyway, Big G. And has all these girls prostituting there, not doing anything about it. And he works for Charles Bustain, who is the senator. who was a senator, and or running for senate or something like that. And he denies once they find out that he's connected. And Ethan Brown is just like, "Hey man, you you care to comment on this?"
0: see normally in situations like
1: that they resign yeah well he kind of goes off and says i had nothing to do with this i didn't know he was part of that we let him go as soon as we found out and at first he says that he's never been there before well, then he changes the story and says, yes, he has been there before. To Boudreaux. To Boudreaux Inn. And it was just one time for some kind of talk or something that he uh, had to do. Oh, yeah. He
0: well, then
1: you song. find out that both Kristen and Loretta had talked a lot about how that they had slept with a senator. And then confirmed it was confirmed that the senator that they were talking about was Charles Bustani, and it was because one of the one of the girls' friends of the girls says that they were driving down the road, and it was Tracy, the one that they, that's her cousin, Loretta's cousin, said that they were driving down the road and she saw one of his signs on the side of the road and said, "I've slept with that man."
0: Uh, Okay. So. Okay.
1: So currently where we're at now is they have a new sheriff who ran on the entire platform that he was going to solve this case and that he was going to find out what happened to these girls. Wow. Nothing has been done to find out what happens happened to these girls. It is still unsolved. Did Lawrence and Byron kill Ernestine? I don't know.
0: It's like you got to... I don't know. It's You got to be a certain type... A person for people to care and really get you yourself on the media and mm-hmm. people to find justice. And it shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't matter who you are, what you do, where you're from. In this instance, from the absolute worst town ever ever in the U.S., apparently. Mm-hmm. And I'm from Florida.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like this literally doesn't sound. This none of this seems real. It literally sounds like Crystal just sat here and told us <sighs> the plot of a movie, a made-up
1: movie. No, and I will let y'all know. I'm. I know we're probably closing in on an hour into this but like, there's so much more that I can, I can't tell you because I could go on for days. More people are interconnected. More people witnessed things. More people talked about things. Um, more conspiracy among the police, more police being involved in crazy stuff. Like, it literally goes on and on and on and on. Maybe
0: we do a mini episode where we do a part two where Crystal comes in and gives us all the conspiracy theories. I, I mean, I
1: could because, like, this literally... I feel like I just gave you the most high-level overview of this case that I could have possibly gave you. That's why I said I don't feel like I have oh, could it was, say enough. It was
0: superb. It was, you know mispronouncing all the words because we never I mean we just go with I can it. say
1: them when I'm at home by myself and I can practice them because I do. I practice how to say them but then when we record I don't know how to say she any really of it. She really does
0: y'all. Like we google it. We look at it and mm-hmm.
1: we're like google how do you say this words? We ask people and then when I go to say it out loud when we're recording I butcher it. I mean, but, but yeah I literally have just given you the most high level overview of this case that I possibly could. I could probably talk for six hours about this case it's literally that detailed um if you would like to hear more by all means hear Mm -hmm. more let me know um in the meantime go get a free 30-day trial of showtime and watch the documentary Mm -hmm. um go read the book
0: i'm sure there's something on amazon prime
1: um i think there is there's a whole other it's not for free you have to buy it though it's another documentary but, um, I couldn't find anything free, that's why I did Showtime with a free seven day. Or 30-day trial. That's how they get you. Yeah. And
0: after you're like, oh, I didn't cancel it. Or oh, I well, you know,
1: it. I have Capital One, and I just realized it when I did the thing that they sent me an email and said, hey, you, tri- you started a trial subscription. Would you like us to remind you before your trial is over? Ooh. And so you could set it up to remind you in a Ooh. certain amount of days.
0: Oh, I need that. I was like, Yeah Oh, my god. You know how many yeah. times I forget?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, so and I need to cancel that so I don't get charged. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, that's the story of the Jeff Davis 8. Man, I can't
0: I, I I need people to message us and let us know how you feel about this case because I don't know. I'm feeling kind of speechless. Yeah, I don't I'm know who did it.
1: I think I think multiple people committed these murders. They're not all done by the same person. I
0: don't necessarily that's probably gonna sound harsh when I say this. I don't necessarily think it matters to me who did it. Mm-hmm. It's just the fact that eight women in this town And that's
1: that's not just it's not just these eight, to be to I be mean, completely honest so, many so there are more women. Like the women that was, was raped. There's more there, yeah. there were several women that were raped. Um, there was another woman that was murdered, um, but she's not included in the Jeff Davis eight. Um, there were murders in between all this of other men. There were murders before this. There was murders after this. There was actually another body found in the same place that Loretta was found just a few years ago.
0: You, you just got, you got to think about the, the families that are still living there today that maybe have young daughters. Mm-hmm. And you can't, Oh, you can't even go to the police?
1: No, she, you're not you going go to go the police. The you're not going to go to the police. That
0: are tied to these murders. You're not going to go to the police. That still haven't been solved. You're not
1: going to go to the police. Not at all.
0: This t- if you're still living in that town, you guys are brave.
1: I mean, I wouldn't be living there. Not even you in the slightest. You can't
0: trust anybody. You can't even trust. Well, we can't the senator either. No, you
1: can't. I mean, I don't think he's a senator anymore, but still um, I wouldn't be I wouldn't live there. Um, I would I'd be gone a long time ago. Um, Yeah, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I would not be living there.
0: Yeah.
1: I I feel bad. I feel like the uh, homicide closing rate of less than 70% is Absolutely ridiculous. I, don't even, I can't even fathom that you would have a 93% chance of committing a murder and getting away with it. Heck,
0: you no. Know, all I think about is when my grandparents first moved to New Orleans.
1: Are you telling the story? Okay, I don't know if I've told it on the podcast. You don't think you told the story? Anyways,
0: all, all I can think about is when I said that I can't believe people still live in this town. My mom was born in New Orleans, and they basically were there because my grandpa was doing a job, and it was kind of hard to find work. So you moved wherever you could find work, and basically they had my mom there. And a murder. I think they. I think they lived close to the Ninth Ward. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure down in that area. It's so not <laughs> still today not the best area, but um, a murder actually happened like right outside their apartment door. And my grandpa actually saw it, and they packed up that night and slept in their car because my grandparents refused to keep their kids there. And I think my mom was like Mm. a few weeks old, a few months old. I would have done. They stayed in New Orleans, but But not not in that area. No, I would have packed up and said bye. And then they eventually, when they could, they moved to Florida. So yeah, I'm just thinking of that. Yeah, I know my grandparents were like absolutely not not keeping my family around this it still like creeps him out today to tell the story when he talks about it just the way he described it it creeps me out because i didn't know the human body could do
1: that (laughs) yeah anyways yeah so well i hope everyone enjoyed yet another depressing crystal episode yeah I, you know i just come through and deliver on them depressing episodes
0: i mean the next episode isn't that great either but it's not this level i feel like it
1: it's a different level of depressing it's
0: different level. i don't want to say tame that's poor choice of words and somebody would probably write in that i'm insensitive but, but it's, it's just different. really depressing yeah it's depressing but not in this this is just corruption No, oh, yeah it's this just is straight corruption up eruption and just
1: horrible like all around, yeah. Like nobody is safe in that town. I don't think anyone gave me the idea for this one. I tried to look and see if someone gave it to me. I think I found I this one. Saw it on I just our remember. List. Yeah, I, I think, you think just I wrote it. Down. Yeah, I think I wrote it just because I was interested in it.
0: That's basically how it is. We're normally always texting. Somebody's texting us, or we see a TikTok, or mm-hmm. we see something on TV.
1: I mean, I literally just got messaged one the other day on instagram and i was like adding it now
0: i I messaged crystal because um her and her husband are going out of the well the country yeah Mm, next next month month. yeah Uh, basically, basically we're all basically in october and my husband already um will be making a guest appearance i apologize in advance for that because i'm very nervous about it bringing him on the show I think we should let it truly be our first fully
1: explicit episode.
0: He's already s- apologized to me in advance because he said it's probably going to be a lot of editing.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I was like, me and Crystal have talked about it. We're just going to go with it. But he brought me a topic, and I've never heard of it before, and I texted Crystal. And hey, I was, that's how
1: Tyler did with me with his sports topic. I had, like, never heard of it. I was fully invested in the conspiracy by the end of it.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it now, though, because I did some research on it.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be fun. Are you presenting it or is he presenting it? I think
0: I'm going to let him. I think I'm going to write most of
1: it up for him because he's not that great in that area Uh
0: of expertise. Uh huh. But he knows about it, so I could probably, like, say a little spill.
1: Yeah. And then just let him go. I'm excited. Go, Tiger, go. I'm excited. So it'll come out the day that we're there, right? I believe so. Okay, I'm gonna listen to it. I'm, I'm gonna like give to you. See. I'm gonna give us a a, a listen from France. Oh, Actually, gonna... I'll give you two because I think that's the day that we're traveling from France to London. Hopefully, um, so I'll give you two. I'll give us a UK listen and I'll give us a France ooh.
0: listen. ooh, so exotic. I
1: know, so exotic and fun. Even though it's like gonna be a pain in the butt because we have get a COVID test before we go. A COVID test while we're there. And then another COVID test when we come back just to go to London. Wow. Yeah, it's going to be fun. All the COVID tests. COVID tests are intense. Yeah. Anyway, that's all we got.
0: Thank you guys so much for listening. Sorry, I this believe, is a long episode. Yeah, we, it's been long. And I can't believe we haven't done our typical spill. So I'll just end it real quick with it. You can find us on all of our socials. YouTube is by you. Chronicles podcast, all one word. YouTube, stop being weird about that. <laughs> we just got like three new subs in the past two days. I don't know mm. what's happening, but thank you thank guys you. for 63 subs. That's awesome. We're getting close to 100, which is amazing. You can find us on Instagram, you underscore Chronicles. Twitter, Bayou Chronicles. Um, we're on Facebook, too. Yeah. You guys are on there as well. We try to post everything on all, all the socials because... You know, some people prefer one platform over mm-hmm. the other. Mm-hmm. And the last and final one, broken record, because we've been saying this like the past year. Um, don't know. We are also on Twitch. Me and Crystal have been talking about maybe we'll start streaming like today when we're recording an episode and uh-huh. you guys are listening to us. Um, we just hit 24. Four? I want to say 24 on Twitch.
1: 24 or 25. We oh. had a great last stream. Yes, we did. We had so
0: much fun, and we already have it planned out for October. We just have to
1: boost up how many times we, we stream, stream in 30 days. So yeah. we might be doing some live ones. Yeah.
0: Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. I know this episode was long and kind of
1: rambly, was, but we loved it. Loved it. Anyways, you guys have a great week. Bye. Bye.